Now we're going to discuss the issues of hoarding or cluttering in people's homes and how helpless they feel as they gather and hoard. On the line is Jack Moore. Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning, Oliver. You have a social enterprise that, that can help these people. Respectmystuff.org. What can you tell us about it? Well, it started uh, three or four years ago now and it was a result of uh, following years of training, uh, training housing associations, local authorities, councils, social workers, etc., on how to deal with hoarding. There was a demand then for a social enterprise or a company to come in and actually deal with the whole thing because it takes time. And unfortunately, when we're talking to the professions, whether it be a housing officer or a council officer or a social worker, they don't have the time. So that's how we set up Respect My Stuff, the de-hoarding side of the company. Yeah, no, it's a great idea and I'm delighted to see that it's working well. And we're going to come to that in a minute. But how, how does one get into an area like this, like hoarding, in your role? My background was in housing, in, in social housing. And this is going back many years. And I, used to, I just used to find it intriguing. Uh, it, it was, you know, going back 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was no one really, you know, truly understanding it or dealing with it properly. It was um, really, you know, sort of dependent on the person uh, and how they would actually approach it. There was no sort of set methodology, no uh, real research. So it was, uh, as I used to find them intriguing. Um, I had success with some and failures with others. And I decided then eventually that someone needs to really specialise in it. And that's where I did the research, did the, um, the you know, the sort of the practical side. And um, yeah, it, it really stemmed from there. And so most of your work is now in England, isn't it? But you're originally from Northern Ireland. Originally from Northern Ireland. Yeah, family in the South as well. And the yeah, so I've been working in England uh, four years. But, you know, the training that I've, I've done, so much training in Dublin, Galway, Limerick, you know, even more recently uh, on uh, hoarding. It's it's interesting. Yeah, so I set up the community interest company in the southwest of England, where I am now actually speaking from Bristol today. Um, started up uh, several years ago and, you know, there's still there's definitely the demand for it in um, uh, in Ireland. I actually do have a team in Northern Ireland uh, based in Belfast and that's very mm-hmm. successful. And uh, I, I just know from the training that I've done with environmental health and social workers, etc., in Dublin, South Dublin, Dublin City Council, uh, Meath County Council, that there is the demand for it. It's just unfortunate it hasn't really started there. Wow. Um, I'd love, love to start in the South. Yeah, uh, the, I suppose the issues for county councils, isn't it, and social housing is, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering why county councils and, uh, you know, the, the, the owners, I suppose, of social housing hire your company to help hoarders. Yeah, uh, simply because they can't do it. They, they don't at the time. The typical case, Oliver, would be two de-hoarding practitioners trained up by myself going in and working with someone who's hoarding for three hours a week, either, you know, a morning or an afternoon every week for 10, 12, 14, possibly even more weeks, really getting to know that person, build a rapport with that person, you know, get that sort of trust for that person and slowly but surely working with them to make the place safe, first of all. The biggest yeah. risk really is fire. So fire risk, you know, to um, to, to minimise the trip risk, the avalanche risk, and then working with them over that period of time eventually to 
get them to be able to let go of stuff. You can't do it overnight. And unfortunately, housing officers, council officers, environmental health officers, they just don't have that time. So that's really where we come in. And it is, it's interesting because some of your, uh, some of the people, the tenants of, of social housing, they need to go from hospital back home and they can't. They're going to be stuck in the hospital unless there's room. So that's where you guys come in and, and clear the place for them. Well, that, that's only one. That's really one small part yeah. of the service we provide. The, the main service is the, what we call the de-hoarding, decluttering, which is over a long, long period of time. However, we've uh, been working with some of the hospitals, mainly in, in the south of England. And and that's been really successful where there's, you know, that old expression, bed blocking, where someone is in, whether it be a stroke unit or a, a you know, a ward and they're in it, but they could easily, you know, they, they are ready for discharge. Yeah. But sometimes they stay on for weeks, months uh, because they can't actually access their home. So we will go in and unlike some organisations might just go in and clear the whole thing or maybe even the hospital might have an in, in, in-house team that will just go in and clear the whole place and get rid of everything. We don't. We'll go in, we'll sift through. We'll, uh, if anything is, you know, beyond use then that will go but anything that we think is of maybe sentimental of financial value maybe of even you know personal papers we'll sift through we'll keep them maybe put them in a bedroom whatever but we will clear a room uh, for maybe a hospital bed to go in there so so hence the name respect respect my stuff jack hoarding and cluttering is there a difference between the two there is very much so, uh, Oliver. Uh, to tell you the truth, they, they both they can look and ex- present exactly the same. What we use is the a, a, a what we call the clutter image rating, which is a series of photographs from um, one to nine mm-hmm. of the same room, different degrees of of, of clutter or hoarding. Uh, one being the best, nine being the worst. So we use that. So if you had a you know a, a room that looked um, like a, a number nine. It could look, um, it could either be cluttering or hoarding. The big difference is, probably the easiest way to explain it, is if the person who is living with all that stuff has a disproportionate attachment to that stuff, uh-huh. you know, that might they've got broken bits and pieces. No, don't touch that. You can't take that. That that tissue, yeah, that can be used again. If they've got this sort of disproportionate attachment, then we're probably looking at hoarding. If it's built up and these sort of seven, eights and nines, the really serious stuff. It's, stuff built, see it's up TV. to the ceiling, isn't it? And there's no mo- using Absol- the room. Absolutely. But that can build up. That can either be through hoarding or it can just be built up through, you know, if someone is incredibly, let's say, depressed and they just they can't they, they, they haven't got the energy, the motivation to do anything. They can't put the bin out. They don't bother washing. They don't bother cooking. They, they buy stuff in and they just can't be bothered taking stuff out. It can build up and build up and build up. And we've got we've got several, you know, eights and nines that actually look like hoarding, but they aren't hoarding. They are extreme clutter. Uh-huh. Uh, are there any early signs that someone might be a hoarder? It can it can start from a very very early age, and you know when you think of it, you know when I'm doing my training, you know I, I use the the example, you know most of us have got that kitchen drawer, haven't we? That is absolutely full of stuff. Yeah. You're probably never used, but you still you find something you think oh, I'll put that in the kitchen drawer that'll come in useful one day. So if you imagine that in a much much you know that that's the kitchen drawer that's probably come off its rails, but if you imagine put that into the whole sort of house situation or the whole flat situation. Uh, that's it just it takes over 
So, you know, it, it's it's keeping an eye um, on people, whether it be a family member or someone else that you think, you know, might be just building this stuff up. So people can people can collect, people can 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 fill their house with stuff and it doesn't become a hoard. It becomes a mm-hmm. hoard when they it starts to interfere with their daily life. They can't use the bathroom, they can't use the kitchen, they can't use the hob, the cooker, because this it's just full of of of, of stuff. Um, and that's where it becomes hoarding and a problem. And it's also where you come in. It can give us an overview of some of the cases you've worked on. Uh, Bruce, for example, is, he's in a wooden bedroom, first floor council flat. That's right. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting case. You, you literally. So what we will do is our two practitioners will go in, be introduced to Bruce, maybe by the housing officer or by um, social worker. And we will start, you know, working with that person. And the main thing, what we try to do is, especially if they, if we understand and, and can um, find out very quickly that they maybe are genuinely hoarding, um, if they are, then we're talking, and, and we're talking mental illness there as well. You can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, so we won't be, because they'd be very, and, and Bruce was a proper um, hoarding case, uh, mainly books, hundreds upon hundreds of books, and um, hundreds of pieces of clothing from charity shops, even with the, the little tags still on them. He was just, you know, wow. he, he was obsessed um, uh, with that. And what we didn't want to do was start saying, look, Bruce, you know, we need to take stuff away. So what we did was because it was so cluttered and, and um, I think I explained that the the living room itself was you couldn't get through the door to the living room it was oh. over six foot high in just you know stuff and it was the whole way through the living room you couldn't see the window at all so what we did was we decided um after a week or two that there was just there wasn't even a room enough room for two people to be in there so we suggested to bruce that we would actually um not get rid of his stuff, but actually move his stuff into storage just for a while right. so that we could get this the way he wanted it. And then we would then work with Bruce over this longer period of time to bring back from storage once we had the place sorted and looking really well and cleaned and be able to use all the facilities, um, we would uh, bring things back that he actually needed. Not, you know, he because he, he, he could have said, oh, I want everything. It just yeah. wouldn't have worked. It was gently it was just, done. It was, a, it was very gently done. It was, it was, it was quite experimental, actually, uh, Oliver, because yeah. it's, it's, it's not a thing that we would normally do. However, it really worked in that, I suppose, the old expression, out of sight, out of mind, um, over that longer period because he, he eventually got back to the way he could see through the windows. We cleaned the windows. He could use the bathroom. He could use the kitchen. He could cook. He had a lovely antique sort of um, writing desk that he hadn't seen for years. He was able to use that. And in the end, he we went with him and we brought back a few bits and pieces that he really wanted. And in the end, he said, look, just everything, please. Can you take it to charity? And he mentioned the different charities that he liked to go to. And that's what we did. And wow. he's he's. And then some people will say, "Oh, that that's you know too quick," and it wasn't. It worked really well. He's now what nine months, ten months later, still thoroughly enjoying his his his, his newfound um, sort of you know a, a very very smart person, incredibly yeah. intelligent uh, and and interesting, and just you know so thankful with with, with what we did. No, that, that's no relapse new, there. Yeah, no relapse. No. 
And it's an interesting case because you had said the council spent thousands helping him clear stuff over the years, uh, but obviously it was just constantly building back up again, whereas you went in and for a couple of months and uh, this is, feels like it could be the end. Well, absolutely. This, this was, and, and the council were delighted. In fact, it was um, Winchester City Council in Hampshire and we did it. They, they, they've been very proactive in dealing with hoarding over the last, um, just over the last sort of year. Mm-hmm. And we've been uh, working with them on a pilot and they were able to measure and find out the cost that they actually had spent on particular cases up to then, you know, through their asset management, through their repairs, through their, um, you know, gas safety checks, et cetera, the amount of, of has an officer time as, as well, and that got into tens of thousands, many really? tens of thousands of pounds years. And then we came in, and I think ours was round, maybe round about the three and a half, four thousand pound okay. uh, um, stage. And that it, it was just a, it was like ten percent of what they had actually spent on it, and we got the result. We can understand um, that wasn't the only- why councils like this particular business. Then, um, how do you yeah. how do you convince a client who's disproportionately attached to stuff? How do you convince them to let it go ultimately? It's through working with them through reasoning with them through questioning you know with them you have to remember these for many of the the, the people who are hoarding they live a very lead a very solitary life they don't necessarily mix they don't have people into the property they don't have people um they just don't want anyone in there and that's connected um, to their hoarding isn't it because they're they're ashamed they're embarrassed oh, about the situation I'd say virtually, even though people sometimes they come over as being very, we're, we're talking, if we're talking about genuine hoarding, you're most of the time, and, and the vast majority of the time, you're talking about people, not even of like average intelligence, they are smart, they're very well read, we come from incredible, interesting backgrounds, and every person is different, and it's actually getting through to that person and reasoning with them and maybe you know let's let's say you know we have cases where someone might have kept their um they've got you know, paranoid about keeping every receipt every uh maybe they, they've they've worked in business before and they know they have to keep invoices they have to keep receipts they have to and they keep them for 30 40 years that that can take up so much you know space and yeah what we'll say to them is look you know, there's only a certain amount of years that you actually have to even though you don't even have to because now you're retired or whatever and uh, uh you know and and so we'll re- and we'll say look how about that the other 30 years that you don't actually have to let's you know recycle those shred those or whatever and we'll just keep the last sort of six years or whatever it is you have to we have to keep it's just even little things like that mm-hmm. where they they, they 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 understand to say they are smart they understand it's just that no one has had that opportunity to have those conversations in some cases we would look at cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. but to be honest which is just a, you know a talking therapy and it has proved very successful uh, very much in the, in the in the states as well um and it has proved successful however it's very difficult the only way that it can be successful is if the therapist who is trained not just on general sort of therapy around, you know, general mental illness. They need to be trained and experienced around OCD and hoarding. And that's quite difficult to get those speciality uh, uh, people in. But even then, it's getting them to go into the person's property. Because sometimes, you know, there can be filth, there can be all sorts of stuff. 
they'll say, no, no, what, we won't, I, I won't go in there. So us working in pairs with the person who's hoarding and building that rapport, in a way, we're doing that therapy as we go through those uh, three hours a week for, you know, three, four months. We're doing that already. And, and the gradual process of clearing out the house obviously helps them uh, not relapse because it is a gradual thing and they, they become and get used to it, basically. That's the, that's the kind of success point you want them to reach, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Jack Moore, it's been a pleasure and a fascinating conversation and I wish you well in your endeavours. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Good morning, Jack. Respectmystuff.org.uk, that's the website. Uh, 51551, that's the text.